And I think when it comes to like the judicial system, especially when it comes to voting for judges, I feel like the voting is already super overwhelming for a lot of people and people have a lot going on. And so I think that like, you know, judges who are not great, you know, they get this like, the privilege of being the thing on the ballot that people just like, you know, are just kind of like, cause I already am trying to figure out who it is I should vote for, for this and this and this and this. And like, they don't even gotta like put their little picket sign up or do any of that. Cause they like, maybe you'll circle my name, maybe you won't like that type of thing. You know, they're just, or maybe someone like you said, you know, name recognition being like, oh, well this is the judge that's been serving. So I'm just gonna pick this person again. Like, You already know, it's your girl Naira and this is Shit Talks. What's good, everybody? It's Naira. We've got another episode of Shit Talks. We've got some really cool guests here with us as well. Say peace. This is my please. So if y'all didn't know, there are three branches of government, right? And so we've got somebody here who's going to talk about the judicial side of things, judicial accountability. We've also got someone here who's going to talk about the legislative side of things, policy, things of that nature. I'm not going to explain it in too much detail because that's what y'all are here for. So I'm going to let the experts talk, okay? So tell me who y'all are, where y'all are from, all of that cool stuff. Cool. I'll start. I'm Camille. I am from the south side of Chicago. And I am the senior programs manager and idea lead at Chicago Vote. Come on, title. Hey, y'all. My name is Frederique Derosier. I grew up in southern Illinois, uh, but I've lived in Chicago for almost 10 years now. And like my, my, most of my family is from Chicago, uh, but I'm a first-gen Haitian-American. Um, and I do policy at Chicago Votes. I'm the policy manager. Um, uh, and then you see her pronouns. Period. 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 Um, cool. So, court watching. What is what is court watching? Right. Like, what just for the people who don't know, what is court watching? So court court watching is judicial accountability. So Chicago Votes has a court watching program where community members can come and go to three courthouse, which is Leiden, which is the twenty sixth in California, which is the Cook County. Um, Skokie or Bridgeview, which w which is located in Skokie um, suburb in the suburb of Bridgeview. So they come and we watch judges. So we on y'all ass mm -hmm. because 2024 is um, a, a big election year and judges are on the ballot. So yeah. we need to hold them accountable at all costs. Yeah. So like, why is that? Why is that even important? Like, what is what? would like what circumstances would make folks say that we need to start a program like this um tickets people in chicago got hella tickets me i'm people in chicago two of them on a payment plan okay i mean oh, I'm a, i got two of them okay and every time i pay on the off a payment plan i gotta start thank you another one <laughs> and you know who's in charge of that who has a big say so on that the judges throw them out mm -hmm. it's like it's not fair and then eviction we all just went through a pandemic. You know, a lot of people are now like displaced and unhoused because of that. And the judges, like, y'all know people was out here fighting for their life. And now y'all evicted them. And it's just like, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it'd be a bunch of fuck shit going on with the gun laws and sentencing that's unfair, especially the black and brown people. They also hold these seats for hella long. And mm -hmm. people be mistakenly voting for them because of their name sounds like your aunties or your uncles or your tias or tio. And it's like, that's not fair and it's not helpful for any of us. Facts, that makes sense. So what made you start, like what, what drew you specifically to 
um, court watching or just uh, judicial stuff? Um, so I, the first time I actually testified in front of a judge, I was six years old, and it was in the for the trial of my mother. Um, she was murdered um, by a reckless driver, and that also turned into that. That also turned into a custody battle. Um, and then just growing up, I have family members who I have been incarcerated in both state and federal prison. So seeing that, going to that, it's just like, oh yeah, this shit is really fucked up. And I didn't understand like the power that we really have until I got like older and now I'm, like being an, an adult and trying to figure out like how is my say so as important as my Angelo? Yeah. <laughs> That's super important. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's definitely like it creates like this like you know drive behind the work, right? Like a lot of a lot of us have like personal connections to the the work that we do, and I think that's like important, you know, to posture yourself where you can like you know be making a change. So definitely thank you for doing that work. So on the topic of that, right? Like policy sounds boring as hell. I'm sorry, but. It's obviously not, right? It's super important work that's being done. It's work that affects, right, the situation that um, you were in and also just, like, the work that you're doing, right? So talk to me a little bit about, like, the work that you do, but also what drew you to policy as well. Um, okay, so policy, it ties a lot to, like, what Camille talked about um, because it's, like, the amount of time people get sentenced, like, the like how the severity of their crime is, like, calculated is all based on policies that lawmakers make um, a lot of times in reaction to things. So, like, for example, um, after the shooting that happened in um, Highland Park, they created, like, stricter gun laws and, like, created, like, more kinds of felonies that people can have, like, with guns, right? Um, and so a lot of it is policy is just what are the laws that determine um, like how we live, what the rules are, uh, what the punishment is if you break these rules. Um, and a lot of times there is 60 people in the house. No, girl. It's 100, I think, and 18 people in the, in the Illinois State House. And then there's 60 senators. So I can't do math. 118 plus 60 is 178. Um, so 178 people are deciding, like, what the laws in our state look like. And so most of my job um, is trying to figure out what the policies we want to pass are. So like we're working on one right now, uh, voting in prison. Um, and it's one we've been working on for a long time. Uh, basically it'll restore the right to vote for people who are serving their sentence in a carceral institution in our state. Um, and that's important for a number of reasons. We know that people who are Cook County Jail, they can vote because they're pre-trial. Um, but once you're convicted um, and sent to a correctional facility, then you lose your right to vote. Mm. Um, and so we think it's important that folks who are behind bars are able to vote for a number of reasons. Um, one, they still have family members on the outside. Two, like most of them will return back to their community. Mm -hmm. um, three, their bodies are being counted um, for like census purposes and a whole bunch of stuff like that. Like they should have a say. Um, also, our prison conditions are like filthy and nasty and disgusting and inhumane. Um, and one of the reasons why this has been able to perpetuate for so long is because people don't have in prison don't have the right to vote. So like basically nobody gives a fuck. Mm -hmm. um, they just did like an audit um, where they like looked in all the Illinois prisons and basically like they came up with a price tag of like what it would look like to uh, make our prisons like habitable, like mm -hmm. not even like decent just habitable mm -hmm. um and i think the cost came out to like two something billion dollars like wow. so it's like this is the price tag that has come from like 
years and years of not giving a fuck about these people who are behind bars. So basically what my job is, like in the House, I need to find 60 votes because that's how many you need to pass it to the uh, Senate. So I need to convince 60 people to vote yes. And then in the Senate, I need to convince 30 people. Um, but basically, yeah, it's like, how can we change our state's policy to allow for the things that we want to happen? Um, and like our legislative branch, like we have in the state, you know, we have executive, legislative, and judicial. But like a city council is a legislative body, right? Um, so anybody where folks are um, re elected to represent a, co a group of people um, and make decisions in a, in a large group, um, can be considered like a legislative body. Um, I got into policy for a number of reasons. Like I remember, well one, I grew up in like a, a Haitian household, like very much rooted in like Haitian radical tradition. Um, so like my dad was always telling me like to be critical of what we heard on the news and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, and so I've always kind of been rooted in that. Um, when I was in, a senior in high school, that's when um, Darren Wilson was not indicted for killing Michael Brown. Um, and that was like kind of eye-opening for me. And I mean, it wasn't eye-opening, like we had Trayvon Martin already, but I think like I was just fed up um, and I went to a predominantly white high school and I felt like the conversations like weren't happening that needed to happen um, because like I was showing up to school the next day like with my heart broken and like people, activities were still going on, right? There was no space that was being held for that. That's very real. Yeah. Nothing about that was boring. Policy not boring. Exactly. Get into it's it because it's actually very dramatic. And that's actually one of the reasons why I love politics. Like, it's so much tea every single day. <laughs> like, so tea. many people's drama. Like, I feel like, you know, we were, we were talking about Jocelyn's Cabaret and reality TV mm -hmm. earlier. But, like, that's what politics is. It's, like, basically a big old theater. Yeah. yeah, and it's, like, if you, you catch on to people's storylines, you stay. Like, they get into drama. They win elections. It's, like... The longer you're in the game, the more fun it actually yeah, is. Yeah. It's real juicy. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Yeah, exactly. Because I think when people like hear it off rip, they're just like laws and things like that. But it's first of all, it's way deeper than that, and it's and it's like you know super impactful work as well. But it's also like there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of like excuse my language, but a lot of fuck shit going on as well. And like you know, it's very important for people to understand like what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, so period. So beautiful. Uh, so what's a takeaway? Um, Going back to court watching, what's a takeaway, like your biggest takeaway? I think like something that Freddie um, was saying, I just thought about, like even with the discrimination of like black people and white people or people of color, I remember um, probably like sometime last year, there was like this white guy who had a manifesto and like guns who went in Inglewood, like he finna shoot black people. His dad ended up being a lawyer. So that meaning his dad knew the judge and they got him um, bail and put him on house arrest because he had a job interview. Mm. Like in the black community, even if I have a job and I go to court and they snatch me in court, I'm going to jail. Mm. And it's just like, but for our, white counterparts that's like obsolete even with the police being in like cps high school so if they have a fight now you're gonna go to jail and have to face a judge who can start this um perpetuation of your like experience in the incarceral system all because people want to just lock you up because they get paid for it let's be for real and it's like we have to think about really what that looks like and how do we combat that and just like simple knowledge of like understanding like we run them mm -hmm. 
Like we voted for them to be there. Like they cannot be there without us. So I think like for me, it's just like, just looking and seeing like the intimidation that like the judicial um, system has on us in general. Like what are the things that you look for like when y'all are court watching? Like what are you, what data are you all recording? So um, one, like is the judge being ethical? Like for real, like if someone is incarcerated and they've been incarcerated, right? We know like they're shackled. Why are they shackled versus like a, a regular civilian coming in who's probably out on bond and they're gonna be seen as more human? than the person who's incarcerated. Like, let's de-shackle them. Like, that's not ethical because I'm looking at you as a criminal because you're being represented in front of me as like, oh, you're so dangerous. It's like, so the, the biggest thing that I tell court, court watchers is like, is the person who's incarcerated unshackled? Because that tells you a lot about the judge. Because it's like, they can be nice, but are they treating them with dignity and respect that they deserve as human? So um, that is a big thing. Are they like speeding through the cases or um, are they actually taking their time? Are they being empathetic? Mm -hmm. You have some judges um, who are in there like, I'm tired of giving you a continuation. Let's settle on something so we don't have to keep it going out. And then you have some judges that's like, do, 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 next. And they then did 20 cases in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, how is this uh, like, happening and it's not fair and it's not equitable for any of us because again until we encounter the judge that's the only time we know who they are and it's like that's something that also is not working out for us because even if we don't have an encounter with them our family member our friends or somebody will encounter this person when you think of judges or judicial you think of jail but think about it like even with the whole roe v wade thing or the affirmative action being overturned these are judges mm -hmm. who we elected or we had a say so in the people who put them in those seats so i, I think it's just important to just like stop being like afraid to talk about like your experience in your encounter like with the judicial system and I think when it comes to like the judicial system, especially when it comes to voting for judges, I feel like the voting is already super overwhelming for a lot of people and people have a lot going on. And so I think that like, you know, judges who are not great, you know, they get this like the privilege of being the thing on the ballot that people just like, you know, are just kind of like, because I already am trying to figure out who it is I should vote for for this and this and this and this. And like, they don't even got to like put their little picket sign up or do any of that because they like, Maybe you'll circle my name, maybe you won't. Like that type mm -hmm. of thing, you know, they're just, or maybe someone, like you said, you know, name recognition being like, oh, well, this is the judge that's been serving, so I'm just gonna pick this person again, like not having any experience with them. So, um, yeah, I think that like people, first of all, don't have the capacity to even be thinking critically about that stuff if it's not made available in the way that y'all are making that information available. Mm -hmm. Yeah, isn't it true that like only one judge that's ever been on the ballot was like failed to be retained? Yeah. And that was like through actions that folks took like recently to like get him not retained or whatever the term is. I think like also like there's no public information about like judges. Like if you Google them, like when we were doing our voter guide, you yeah. like they're purposely, purposefully not like in the public eyes. Mm -hmm. So you know, because one, people don't, they don't want people to get their information. Like, let's say, like, you know, like, this judge, uh, their son, you know, plays basketball or whatever. And, like, they don't, that information isn't public because they don't want people to, like, learn. Like, the same way that you lobby legislators, like, they don't want to be like, how can I make this case or, like, applicable to, like, the judge's lived experience. So it's like, how do you even get information, like, on them, you know?
one thing I know the reason why they don't do that so people will not like um, hurt them or take retaliate on sentencing or whatnot. That's the biggest thing. But injustice. Crazy though, I sorry, I just have to say this because like they'll literally put somebody's mugshot like on the fucking TV the like for everybody with like all their information. But like even if they were wrongly sentenced, yeah. they're now your face is there. But 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 their safety matters anyway. Not that that's what you're saying, but like. No, exactly. but that's why we don't know anything about them because they purposefully are I like, they're, they're, yeah, for real. <laughs> it's like, they're like, oh, you're a target. And it's just like, like, no, I'm not a target. But it's like, here we're protecting a human who will send another human being to jail. And other human, every morning, every day, you probably send someone to jail when you go to work. Mm -hmm. But we can't know nothing about you. That's crazy. Absolutely insane. And you, when you think about it, like how much of like judgment is literally just like feeling and thought, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like opinion, like it's literally their opinion. There are laws and things like that, but the way they move about sentencing is also based on like their opinions. Like, I feel like when people process that, like not everything is just like, oh, well, they're just abiding by the law. It's like, it's not just that, like they're literally a judge, like they're making a decision based on like their own discernment, whether or not a person deserves one thing or another. And obviously there's systems in place to kind of like mitigate some of that. But for the, like an example I think of is, um, you know, with Mohawk and, and Mohawk's uh, trial, um, Mohawk who was um, arrested at an action um, that we did downtown. And, um, and the judge literally like the, that session was over and then called Mohawk back and was like, and also you can't be anywhere near a skateboard. Like, you can't skateboard anymore. Literally. Because Mohawk had a skateboard that day. Like, that was just, I was like, you're just being an asshole. Like, that, you didn't have to say that. Like, you were just like, you. oh, and another thing, you can't skateboard anymore. So if you skateboard, blah, 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 whatever. Like, whatever type of um, ramifications or whatever. But I was just like, what the fuck? That was the first time I was like, wait a minute. Like, that was, you were just, you were literally just being a dickhead. Like, that's, so when you think about it like that way, that it's just opinions, I think it also makes people be more serious about, okay, so if this judge is not a good person, then obviously, like, it's not just about the law. It's also about their literal character and their integrity. So that's like the, the craziest, like, flawed, like, lie. Well, one that are just, I hate, also hate, like, justice system, because mm -hmm. it's like, there's no, it's not justice. Yeah, it's not. But it's like that judges, like, are impartial and they're just like, you know, reading the law and whatever, because, like, that's just not true. And we see it all the time with mm -hmm. sentencing disparities to be the same crime. Like, the only thing that is different is, like, the person's last name and their race, right? Mm -hmm. I think, like, another thing, like, a tenet of, like, restorative justice is, like, um, like everything that we need is, like, already within us, and it like, rejects the idea that, like, an independent external authority can like really say like what needs to be done to like yeah. repair and fix the harm. Cause it's like, we're just really trusting this random old ass white guy who doesn't know anything about me or the community that I've harmed or like, you know, the person that I've harmed. Mm -hmm. And like, they're telling us like what the prescribed like solution is. And most of the time it's literally just like to put somebody away. Yeah. Like there's no actual, like I feel like justice requires um, there to be some sort of like how do we repair this? How do we fix this, right? Where it's like, are we supposed to be like happy? Like if somebody does harm to us, like, I don't know, someone's on my catalytic converter, like, am I supposed to be happy? Like if the police find them and put them in jail, mm -hmm. like that doesn't really please me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's so real. Yeah, cause when they stole my converter, I was like, 
what you got going on that you had to steal a converter off a 2016 Hyundai? Like, okay. like I honestly, I, I'm mad, but I feel you a little bit, but I'm still mad, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not like, <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm more than mad actually, you know? Um, but like, yeah, that's that's so valid. It's like, what's, what is what is the in-between? Like, what is the solution? But they're not thinking about that. They're like, to jail or not to jail? And it's like all the money they spend on like doing that. It's like, y'all could have just, I could have like filled out a form and the government could have just replaced my catalytic converter. Thank you. And instead we're like literally paying all this money to pay the judges, pay the people, pay like to keep this theater going on. And it's like, no, but nothing. I still had to go pay for that and fix yeah. it. I still had to pay for that. And the person who stole it still needs money yeah. and still and needs whatever. And, good, and, they're good, and, and they'll do it again. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. So, um... Thinking about that, right, like, um, what do you feel like, uh, you know, because we're, we're talking about like these systems that obviously are created by this generation being like, OK, well, this is the way that we're, you know, going to go about this. Right. So do you feel like young people are accurately represented in policy? No, um, I think of so many things. I think that the age conversation in uh, policy and politics is one that needs to happen. I know like people have like thrown around like we need to put an age limit on like elected officials. Um, I think that that suggestion kind of misses the mark because I feel like at the end of the day, my feeling is that people should be adequately represented, right? So if it's like, if, you know, 15% of the human population in America is like above 85, then like, shit, if the 85 year olds want to, you know, represent that, then they should, right? I don't think that there should be that. I do think that a lot of our young people who get into policy are easily um, just like kind of morphed into the system, right? Mm. And I think like, especially like in Illinois and a lot of states, like if you're a progressive, like you have to be part of the Democratic Party. And it's like, if you're part of the Democratic Party, then at the end of the day, it's like, they are the ones who like are control, like controlling your funds. Um, they, you know, they want to, um, you know what I mean? Like you're an arm of them, right? Which so maybe you did come in saying like, we want to have the free this and we want to like, I don't know, work on our crim like criminal legal system. Um, but then if that's not the party's objective, then it's like, okay, then you're on your own, right? Yeah. I do think that young people are frustrated with how things are going. I think that sometimes they don't see what the purpose is and why we should be in these bodies. And I can't say that I blame them, you know what I mean? Like how many times we get young people, we're excited about them, who get in office and then just like become the same as everyone else, right? Um, I think that, you know, there's theories that when like young people are adequately like voting or showing up and doing these things like that's when like our issues are going to like be taken seriously um and i've been thinking about that a lot because it's like in chicago we have like black people do turn out to vote and we have hella elected officials who are black but like that doesn't necessarily mean that like our issues and our concerns are really being raised right it's like so i guess when i think about young people participating in politics i think that we need to be well, one, we definitely need to be more organized. I think we need to be like more aggressive and I think we need to be more imaginative. I think like imagination is lacking so much like in our policy and our political structures because it's like, okay, we have this issue with carjacking and it's like the imagination is going as far as we're gonna create stricter laws. And it's like, that's, that's really your solution. Like how can, how can we be more creative and imaginative about like what it looks like to address these things? And I think also our system is like, you know, we have elections every two years. It's like people are just very reactive and want to do like short-term solutions that are going to get them reelected mm -hmm. or not make 
like stances on hard issues because like they're concerned about getting reelected again. That's just really irritating because it's like I, I'm tired of having for us to like jump through these hoops, pass legislation, and it's like we're still having to like correct these things. I think that I want young people to be more imaginative about like what an alternate system looks like that actually like meets our needs that is more participatory and we're not just like electing some random mm -hmm. person from two options that we already hate to like do the same shit that everyone's been doing. Um, and I think that the more that young people can conceptualize that as like a actual possibility, um, the more like the more likely we're going to take those strides, whether or not that happens like in our lifetime. I mean, I hope so, even if I'm old. But like, I think that it's like the addiction to the status quo is like what keeps us here. And I think like even our imaginations, like when we go into schools are shaped by um, like what they think is possible. Right. So how are we like letting young people know that like we literally can create the systems that we want to see? Yeah, that's so real. And I think like, you know, well, one, I also feel like, you know, the stuff that like policy that affects people starts affecting, uh, starts affecting them even as a child. Right. Like even when you're young, whatever the case is. And I think when it's framed that way, people understand, like, why should I care? I can't even vote or whatever the case is. Or, you know, why should I care? Like you can vote, but you there are certain things that you, you might feel like don't affect you. And I think that's been like the talking point for some people around me. It's been like, well, why should I care? Or there's also just so much going going on in life. But I think that like, and not everybody's meant to, you know, be standing on a soapbox, yelling mm -hmm. on the side of the street or in a courthouse. But like, you know, you can vote, you know what I'm saying? Or you can at least understanding like, you know, the landscape of things, then trying to decide like where you fit in that is like super important. But I think that us seeing that people have been saying the same thing over and over again. And sometimes it feels like not much has changed, has maybe created this kind of like feeling of like doom or just like, mm -hmm. it's always gonna be this way. And so like the imaginative thing, I think that like this, the way information is spread, we see everything that's happening. And so it might make people feel this like sense of like existential dread, like, well, nothing's gonna get better. Like nothing's even happening. Like, why should I even give a shit? Sorry. <laughs> having the space to like dream and imagine will kind of like reignite or ignites people to want to like, you know, once again, give a shit. Okay. <laughs> but I'm sorry. I'm I love a good dad joke. Um, <laughs> is court watching an effective way to build transparency with the Cook County? We have to watch them so we will know. Like we know transparency if we write there firsthand. We can't rely on the media or other information that's going to be misused or geared towards the negative aspects of it. I'll say to that though is like, even if like if core watching is like, even shows like, oh, this is fucked up and we can't fix it. At least that data is there. So we can yeah. be like, look, we did the things. We implemented the things. We watched the court again and it still didn't take. Like maybe that can inspire people to think of like revolutionary, mm -hmm. radical solutions to mm -hmm. problems that, cause it's like, if we're doing all the things that y'all say like need to be done and we're still getting the same results, then it's like, no matter what, how you feel, if you're an abolitionist or like a reformer, like there's still value in court watching because mm -hmm. the data still can point somewhere. Yeah, and there's nothing on judges, nothing. We know nothing about them mm -hmm. except where they work. Mm -hmm. And even then they room be changing sometimes. Yeah, I can't even catch you. Like. <laughs> so another thing, um, at, thank you for bringing that up. At um, the Lighten court, 
courthouse, which is the Cook County um, Jail, they changed the child care center, which was before used. If people had their kids and they have to come to court and they can just sit there while they're at court. Now it's turned into the Zoom room for people um, to have court via Zoom instead. Like, so now you gotta take your baby upstairs with you, which may cause a disruption, which may cause you to still go to jail mm -hmm. or be fined. And it's just like, that's a problem, mm -hmm. so. Um, you touched on it a little bit, um, but like for both of y'all, like how, how can people get involved? Um, so for judges, uh, I know that I know she's going to talk about Injustice Watch. Also, the Alliance for Justice and Reentry has their own judicial guide that is really great. Um, and I feel like it, their guide kind of gets to the heart of what it is that we're looking for. Whereas Injustice Watch, you know, they're a da you know they're a data based organization. Um, Another thing is there's so many um, outlets that cover uh, like what's going on in the Illinois legislature. Um, I would say like Capital Facts is a good one. Um, if you follow Chicago Votes, like we always like, will retweet like things that are important to us and what we think are important to young people and pertain to young people. Um, another thing is I think that folks should like figure out like who your electeds are. Um, yeah, where you live at, like what district you're in. Um, one thing that I think young people could do and should do more often is like, we need to shit on these people a little bit more. Like they are so comfortable in doing things that like are against like what we need for our well-being. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, that's the norm, right? And I think that we have a lot of anger, but like if we could channel it, um, you know, and organize each other and also like, don't be afraid to call these people out. Like nobody is doing it, and they they are they need to have a little bit of fear in their heart. That's just how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so real. Um, yeah, I think that like also just what you said. I think also a lot of people they don't want to say anything because they're like worried about like retaliation. And I like had young people even be like, oh, it's hard to be like radical while you're in school because then like the people that grade your papers and decide whether or not you're doing X, Y, Z, will be like, oh. I love getting into it with a teacher. Yeah, come on, because you will, I will pack your dumb ass up. Hello, like, hello, I packed your office up for you. You're fired, um, like literally, um, but you don't like have to be afraid. Like, I understand like, you know, people wanting to be mindful, but you, you don't have to be afraid. Like you're like, you can talk your shit, bro. Like, you know, like you can hold people accountable. They're public officials, exactly. right? So it's like, they need to anticipate that people are gonna have shit to say. Like you're doing Always. a job that, and any other job, like, you know what I'm saying? My, my bosses are, you know, evaluate me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and they determine, you know, if I'm meeting these benchmarks or not. Like, that's our role for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that legislators and a lot of elected officials, like, that's lost on them. Mm -hmm. Like, no, your, your, jo our, your job is like, we're in charge and like, yeah. we want to hold you accountable. We're grading the papers. Okay? Hello, you're serving yeah. the people, like, literally. Mm -hmm. Hold them accountable, call their ass out. And, well, I feel like we talked our shit. We did. Y'all talk to y'all shit. I could definitely do it some more, but we definitely got it out there. Yeah, period. Um. <laughs> Welcome to Chicago, baby. <laughs> and on that note, this has been Jit Talks. Thanks so much, y'all. It's nice for ourselves, period. Once again, I'm Naira. Peace.